But before we begin, there was a story of a man who uh, was quite ill. Uh, he was uh, in the hospital, he was quite ill, and the family called the local minister in town to go and check on uh, his, his father. And so the minister goes in, and as he enters the room, he noticed that there's this chair that's pulled up quite near uh, to his bed. And so uh, as he enters in, he says, well, uh, to the man in the bed, he says, well, I guess you've had a visitor already today. And, and the man was a little perplexed about that. Uh, but then he thought about that and he said, no, uh, I haven't been visited uh, by anyone yet. And then he goes on to tell him what that chair represents. And so he told them that many years ago, uh, when he was much younger, uh, prayer was something in his life that he was struggling with. Uh, he was struggling with it. He didn't know if he should sit down or stand up or if he should bow his head, if he should look up, if he should have his eyes open or closed. Uh, he didn't know exactly the words to say. And so he said he was, he was talking to his preacher uh, that, that, he was a, that was the preaching at the church he was attending, and he told him, listen, listen, just forget about all those things. Don't worry about your posture. Don't worry about any of those things or what you're going to say, but take a chair, put it right next to you. And pretend that God's in that chair and speak to him as you would be speaking uh, to him and, and conversate with him. And so he has done that ever since, he said. And so a few days later, uh, the man, the, the minister, again, he receives another phone call this time uh, from the daughter of the man saying that he had unexpectedly passed away. And she said that she had been with him uh, that evening and she was sitting there, uh, you know, and he, she assumed he was sleeping and she went off to take a nap herself. And as she returned back to the room, she noticed that he was in the same position, only this time his hand was on the chair. And she said as she was uh, fighting back the tears, talking to the minister about this, isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? And the minister says, no, it's not strange. I understand well, this morning, uh, I'm bringing a lesson on prayer. You know, I was thinking to myself the other day, what's something that we haven't, that I haven't preached from the pulpit here yet? And it's a lesson on prayer. You know, prayer is vital to everyone, to all of us who call God our Heavenly Father. Uh, there, there was a scholar who was once asked, what's more important in this life, reading the Bible or praying to God? And his response to that man was, well, what's more important to you, breathing in or breathing out? And he's trying to get across that prayer is an important part of, of the Christian's life. You know, a disciple in uh, Luke chapter 11, you know, just like this man in the, in the story I gave uh, be, beginning, just like this man asked, you know, what, how do I pray? You know, there was a disciple who asked the Lord, teach us to pray. And of course, Jesus taught much uh, about prayer throughout Scripture by what he said and what he did. And so we want to consider this morning, uh, Luke chapter 18. Again, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. And we're going to look at a couple of parables. We're going to spend more time in one than the other. But we're going to look at these parables uh, and these tips that Jesus is giving. He's teaching us uh, on our daily prayer life, what we should do. And so let's examine, again, these two powerful uh, parables in this prayer. And notice, let's read the first parable together, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, 
Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We're going to notice uh, four things in this prayer, or in this parable on prayer in particular, and then we'll uh, notice one thing in the final parable that Jesus gives here. But the first thing we want to notice is that Jesus is teaching us that we need to pray constantly. Again, notice that, first, that phrase in, in verse 1. He says, now at all times they ought to pray. What does that mean? Does that mean that we need to be praying 24-7 every day, every waking moment of our lives, that we need to be in prayer? Well, no, that's not what Jesus is teaching here or the other uh, Bible writers. But but the emphasis is that we're trying to get through. They're trying to get through to us is that there should not be a day go by that we do not include prayer. Again, that should be our attitude to constantly be in prayer, to be continually to be in prayer. And as we attempt to uh, put this into our lives, this discipline, you know, we can find multiple times throughout the day to pray. You know, it's, it's just not simply praying before a meal. You know, sometimes I get in the habit of maybe going to God uh, before a meal, but maybe that's the only time uh, that I'm doing that. Uh, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, Therefore, um, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You notice he doesn't say uh, pray to God uh, before a meal and after a meal and only at that time. But he says, whatever you do in word or deed, give thanks to God the Father. You know, surely there's more than just meals that we're thankful for. And also our prayer life should not also should not be treated uh, like a 911 call, right, in, in emergency only. And sometimes, again, we get into that rhythm of that we're only going to God in prayer uh, when things are tough, when, when there's an emergency and we need to pray. Of course, it's a good time to pray at that time as well, but we don't want to use it in cases of emergency only. We, we want to pray at all times, as, as Jesus is saying here. Like our prayer life, have you ever thought about this, that your prayer life is sort of like an ongoing conversation? Do you have an ongoing conversation with the Lord? To pray consistently means to maintain this constant attitude and demeanor on prayer. Again, this ongoing conversation. You know, we do this with our spouses all the time. Uh, you might say goodbye in the morning as you go off to work and throughout the day you're, you're texting them, you're, you're calling them, you're, you're holding this conversation with them throughout the day. You know, we understand that. But what about in our prayer lives? Are we doing that as well? Probably one of the most uh, famous scriptures uh, on prayer uh, that's simple, it's quick to the point. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 where Paul says, pray without ceasing. Right? Uh, that's a verse that, you know, I think a lot of us can... Um, understand uh, that, uh, you know, it's short, again, quick, to the point, pray without ceasing. Brother Hugo McCord, who is a great preacher who passed away uh, about 18 years ago, uh, he was a great scholar within the brotherhood as well. It was said that he was an avid baseball fan. He, he loved baseball and growing up. One of his first uh, preaching positions was outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. And the brethren there, they loved to get together and play baseball. And so they would get together, play baseball for fun all the time. And Brother McCord was known as a scrappy and aggressive player. 
Now, one occasion while, while they were in Bible class, uh, a woman asked him specifically, you know, what does 1 Thessalonians 5.17 mean? Pray without ceasing. What does that mean, Brother McCord? And so he went on to answer and say, well, I think Paul was saying that as Christians, we should always be in a prayerful attitude. But then the woman replied, uh, being at the game last the, the other night, you mean like the attitude you were in the other night in that baseball game when you, when you slid into second base and took out the, the second baseman and broke up that double play? Again, because Brother McCord, he, uh, when he was playing baseball, he was scrappy. He, he was aggressive. But of course, he doesn't always live that way. He's not always in that type of attitude. And so he went back and he studied the, uh, that passage in First Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing, and concluded that Paul wasn't saying that the Christian should constantly be literally praying at all times, every day, every moment of the day. Otherwise, they'd have no time for other things, of course. But rather, what Paul is trying to get to us in that verse is don't leave prayer li- uh, out of your life. Don't leave prayer behind. Don't think you can get along in this life without it. You know, the, the Hebrews writer in Hebrews 4.16 says that we as Christians, we should draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. You know, as Christians, we have that opportunity to come to God at any point, at 24-7, to go to him in prayer with confidence to his throne and ask of those things. When was the last time that you went to God in prayer? And I don't mean within the public assembly uh, with the men leading here, but when did you personally, when was the last time you've gone to God in prayer? We notice here that uh, Jesus is telling us that we need to pray consistently. And so that's the first thing we want to notice. The second thing we want to notice is he says at the last half of verse one, he says, not only at all times we ought to pray, but we also not to lose heart. We, not, we need to be persistent in our prayer life. I think this is one of the key reasons why maybe a lot of us will give up on prayer so fast. We, we pray and then we get discouraged when things don't come out our way or, or things don't happen. You know, of course, think of all the different outcomes of prayer in this life. You know, sometimes he's going to say no to the things that we pray about and sometimes he'll say yes. Sometimes he'll say yes, and then he will add blessings upon that. You remember Solomon, uh, David's son, in 1 Kings chapter 3? God came to him in a dream as he's now the king in Israel. He comes to him in a dream one night, and he asks him, you know, what would you wish that I give to you? And Solomon, being a young man, says, Lord, you know, you've allowed David to be uh, the the king of Israel, uh, now I'm in that place, but I'm let just a little child. I, I don't know that much. Uh, I'm in charge of so many people. This is just, this is such a tough predicament that I'm in. And you remember what Solomon asked for? He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for power, but he asked for an understanding heart. He wanted to be able to discern good and evil, to be able to judge his people and God gave that to him. But not only that, but he gave him the riches. He gave him the honor. See, again, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he'll even add upon those blessings. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond that, all that we ask or think. The things that we ask for and we think about, God can give us more than those, he says. He also sometimes makes substitutions, right? You might be praying for a job and you don't get that job, but you end up with another job and that job may end up way better. 
As a teenager, maybe you're praying for a Christian spouse, and you might, there might be somebody in particular that you're praying about, and that just doesn't end up. But later down the road, you're going to meet someone else and, and get married, and it's going to work out. And, of course, uh, God sometimes makes substitutions. And he also says sometimes that you've got to wait. You've got to be patient. See, that widow here in Luke chapter 18 is teaching us to be patient about the matters we're praying about. Of course, God knows all. God sees all. We don't. He doesn't work on our timetable, um, but he knows what's best for us. You know, Romans chapter 8, 28 says, All things work out to good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And, you know, sometimes as parents, uh, we get a request from our child, uh, you know, over and over again. Uh, has that ever happened to you? I know that happens in my house where after we eat dinner, we'll hear, uh, can we have ice cream? And I'll say something to the effect of not now. But 10 minutes later, they'll come back. Can we have ice cream now? No. Ten minutes later, can we have ice cream now? And it'll get to the point where I'll, I'll say, you know what? You ask me one more time, forget it. We're, we're not going to have ice cream tonight. But listen, God, that's not how God responds. God says, I don't respond that way. I want you to keep coming back. Keep praying. Keep requesting those things. Do not lose heart, even though it may not have happened yet. Don't let seemingly silenced or unanswered prayers cause you to give up. Uh, but maybe, maybe the reason why our, our prayers aren't being answered, you know, sometimes is maybe because they're being uh, hindered. You know, the, the Bible talks about this in a few different passages. Uh, some of them are noted up here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. The Apostle John writes this. He says, this is the confidence that which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, there are some times that we may ask God in prayer some things that are just not according to his will. Notice James chapter 4, verse 3. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Right? People will, will pray, God, give me a million dollars. You know, I can do a lot of good with a million dollars. But, but James here is saying you're asking with things out of wrong motives. Right? These are things that are not contrary or they're contrary to the will of God. They're not according to his will. Uh, you want to spend these things on your pleasures, he said. First Peter chapter three. In first Peter chapter three, uh, Peter is describing the relationship of husband and wife, and he's giving instruction to the to the wives to be submissive to their husbands in the first few verses uh, down to verse six. And then in verse seven, he, he turns his attention to the, the husbands and notice what he says here. He says, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. As with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Peter there says that our prayer life can be hindered uh, if we are not treating those who are also fellow heirs of grace in the same respect. And then jump down to verse 12 in the same chapter. Uh, Peter, quoting from Psalm 34, says this, For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. And his ears attend to, the prayer, to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, there are times that maybe we need to ask ourselves, uh, in a, in a, if our prayers are not being recognized, are they possibly being hindered? Our prayers are, of course, they're being heard. God hears all and sees all, knows all, uh, but maybe they're being hindered. And if that's the case, 
you know, again, we need to persistently uh, continue in prayer as Jesus is teaching here. Like the widow, the Christian is to be persistent in maintaining a relationship with God and asking him for help. Again, Jesus is giving an insight here into God's heart. He wants to hear from us in prayer persistently. He is influenced by our prayers. And so the second thing here we learn is that Jesus, from Jesus, is that we need to be persistent in our prayers. Notice uh, number three here, that we need to pray dependently. You know, Jesus chose one of the most disenfranchised, powerless people in the society of that day, uh, a widow, to illustrate the power of prayer, uh, of prayer life. Again, she petitioned this wicked judge, this man who didn't fear God. He did, had no respect for man. She came to him and said, give me legal protection. Give me justice over my opponent. But he was unwilling to do so for quite a while. But because she was persistent, maybe your translation says that she bothered him or she troubled him, he gave in. Right? He eventually gave in. But listen, uh, we as Christians, we petition a righteous and just judge. We don't petition a wicked judge. We petition a righteous and judge, just judge. And God will bring justice to his elect. He tells us there in verses 6 through 8, those who cry to him day and night, he won't delay. It will be quick. You know, it's pretty similar to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, you remember on the Sermon on the Mount, verses 9 through 11, uh, he says, you know, what son coming to his father and asking for a loaf of bread, will his father give him a stone? Or what son coming to his father asking for a fish, will he give him a snake? But no, he says that you being humans, being, uh, being fathers, you know, being flawed individuals, you know how to give good gifts. And if you know how to give good gifts, how much better will our God in heaven, our heavenly father give? And so why do we depend on God? Why do we pray anyways? Because we believe in God. Even though we don't see him, uh, we, we've, he's been realized through Jesus Christ. Because God cares. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verses 6 and 7, noted again on the board, uh, where, where Peter is writing, and he says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. We need to depend on God. Uh, if we have anxiety, troubles in our life, cast them onto God, he says. Uh, let him take those on because he will deliver you. Uh, he's the final authority and he will answer. Are we wholly dependent upon God for everything? Again, are we dependently praying to God? Yet he still says to call on him. He knows what we need. And so the third thing we notice here in this, this lesson on prayer from Jesus is that we need to be dependent upon God to see those things through. And the last thing I want us to notice about this particular parable uh, in particular, uh, focus in on verse 8 there. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? We need to pray trustingly. You know, Jesus, again, he ends, he ends this parable on that question. Will the Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find the faith on the earth? Uh, uh, the type of faith that when times are going tough, when uh, people are struggling, uh, are you, we still going to God in prayer? Are we still going to God in prayer consistently and persistently and dependently? When he comes back, will there be any believers praying with that persistence just like that widow was? Um, do we trust in the power of prayer? Again, uh, another illustration that I have, I've heard this, this illustration from multiple preachers. Maybe you've heard it before, but sometimes when you hear these, you don't 
you don't necessarily know if they're, if they're a true story or if, um, you know, if it's just the one story that's being passed down from preacher to preacher. But there's a story of a church, uh, a single town, a town where there's one single church in town. And there's also this distillery that's in town as well. And over time, conflict arises between the two. Of course, the church wants it to close down and move out, get out of town. But the distillery wants to remain there and remain open. And so one night, the, the church, uh, they gathered on, on a Saturday evening to have a prayer service, and, you know, asking God to settle things. And during the meeting, uh, it said that this terrible thunderstorm erupts and hits the town and lightning strikes the distillery and it burns it to the ground. And so the insurance company comes out and claiming that the destruction was an act of God, they refuse to pay. And so, of course, the distillery owner, this atheistic man, uh, he's upset. And so he attempts to sue the church for, for claiming that they conspired with God to put him out of business. But then the church countered, of course, and said they had nothing to do with the fire. Well, it goes to court. And, and listen to what the judge says, because this is, this is where it gets interesting. The judge says, I find one thing about this case very perplexing. The plaintiff, an atheist, is professing his belief in the power of prayer. And the defendant, a faithful church, is denying that very same power. Friends, do we trust in the power of prayer? Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Focus in on that word everything. He said, take everything into prayer to me, whether it be you know, our death or his return. Uh, we need to be found among the prayerful. And so the fourth thing that we notice in this parable that Jesus is teaching is that we need to be trusting in our prayer life. As we continue in Luke chapter 18, let's notice the, the, the second parable, and we're not going to spend as much time on this one, but verses 9 through 14 in Luke chapter 18, notice what Jesus says. He says, and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collectors, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to the, his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Notice the last thing that Jesus is teaching in these series of parables on prayer, that we need to be praying humbly. Pray humbly. And see, we have this contrast. He's giving a pompous Pharisee who turned a prayer session into this, this speech about how great he was. He'd given self-congratulations to himself. And then there was this publican, this tax collector, who simply said, be merciful to me, the sinner. You know, Jesus is teaching us that simply going to God in prayer is not enough, but it's also the attitude, the mindset uh, that we need to have when we go to him in prayer. We need to have this God be merciful to me, the sinner mindset. It's going to be better for us to, um, as he ex exalts us and seek to walk in his light, 
Uh, we're far better off being open and penitent to him uh, because, of course, he is the all-knowing God. So be humble in prayer, he says. He, again, he ends that parable saying, He who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The fifth thing and the final thing that we learn from these series of parables that Jesus is giving on prayer is that we need to be humble in prayer. Well, this morning, there's probably nothing here that I preached this morning that was necessarily new to you as far as prayer, instructions in prayer. Uh, But don't forget that we need to engage in it every day. If a hard-hearted judge could be motivated by persistence, how much more will a loving father respond to the appeals of his children? Can I challenge you this morning? Can I challenge you to make it your goal to pray more often this week than in times past? You know, maybe, again, and maybe you're someone who gets in kind of the rut of just praying before a meal. You know, so start by your mornings saying a prayer, end your day with a prayer. You know, put those prayers, reminders up on sticky notes throughout your, your home or your office. Uh, again, challenge yourself to pray more this week. See how much more your life is blessed this week than, than the last. Of course, Jesus promised in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and 10, he said, ask And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You know, in this life, we can pray and believe and receive. Or we can not pray and doubt and be without. This morning, uh, if you're here with us this morning and and maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe uh, you haven't had the opportunity to put Christ on in baptism. Um, the Bible says that we need to believe, uh, hear the word of God, believe Jesus is the Son, r- repent of our past sins, meaning we're going to change our minds uh, about things that God says are contrary to his will, confess Jesus as Lord, and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And at that point, the Lord will add you to his church, and you can become a Christian and begin uh, a new walk, uh, become a new creature in this life, a new creation, and and, and, of course, the Bible also teaches that at that point that we need to stay faithful. Stay faithful and do his will in this life. And then we can go to him in prayer uh, at any time, uh, to be comforted knowing that he is listening and that he cares for us. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you are a Christian, but uh, things are, 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 you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling in your prayer life. Maybe you need the encouragement of this congregation. Uh, maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Uh, all of these things we're willing to help you with if you make your... Uh, needs made known as together we stand and sing this song of invitation.